0: Have you ever met one of those people who just can't be stopped? It's like they're unstoppable. Yeah, I have. Me too. What's their mystique? Nothing stops these people. Don't stop. Welcome to Mission Unstoppable with Coach Frankie Picasso. You're about to meet some of the most amazing people. They've accomplished their goals despite insurmountable odds. They beat adversity, physical hardship, and traumatic events, and emerged triumphantly. They're people just like you and me, and they're winners. Are you unstoppable? Here's Frankie to show you how. Hello there, and welcome to Mission Unstoppable. Today, I have a wonderful guest and a great show for you, and it might be a little hard to, maybe a little hard to hear. We'll see, um, depends on how how uh, sensitive you are, but I think anybody's going to find, you know, this story very, very hard to hear. Meet Mia, Mia O'Day. She was a child bride given into marriage by her family, despite her unwillingness to wed a stranger. She was 16 years old. She was flown thousands of miles away from her home in Palestine to Arizona, virtually by a stranger. She was trapped, she was beaten, she was raped like it was this man's religion. Mia's future looked like it was an endless repeat of horror upon horror. How did she get out? Stay tuned and stay close. Mia's one happiness came with each child, but so did increased beatings. This is a story of resilience, of heart, and a mother's love that will endure almost anything for her children. Welcome, Mia. Hi,
1: Frankie, thank you so much for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. You've given me the time to talk about my life story.
0: You know, there's nothing like being able to share your truth. And while it's very difficult, it's a difficult story to hear. It's a difficult story to live. It's a difficult story to hear. But you know what? Truth is truth. And people need to hear the truth. And, Absolutely. You know, you come from, you know, a patriarchal society that treats women like they're nothing. And it's very, very hard. I mean, we're all working very hard. I work for Girl Power Talk. We're all working very hard to, you know, create uh, parity in the world, to create at least gender parity, and um and change those old habits old thoughts old systems that you know treat women like like property yeah i
1: agree with you it said
0: so tell me let's go back to home to home you were you know growing up as a child in palestine um did you have to wear a, a niqab or a burqa did you what did you have to wear
1: no, in the area where I come from, they don't like wear the cover on the face, but like the head, uh, you know, long sleeve and long outfits. Yeah, that we did that. So your hair always had to be covered. All the time. All Even the time. if somebody comes to you, visit you at home, like if it's men, you have to cover. And
0: were, were there rules, like if it wasn't covered, you get beaten or something like that? Like, they're, like the girls are going through right now in Iran?
1: Well, I mean... It would, but when you grow up with it and you kind of get used to it, it's become like your second nature. When somebody knocks on the door, you have to check on the door. Somebody comes and visits. It's like, it's a habit. It's like, yeah. you just go and get your cover and put on something real quick and just cover yourself.
0: So what would you, what would you wear at home? Would you wear like long, long outfits or would you wear dress like Western? Did you wear makeup? Like back you-
1: home, you mean in mm-hmm. Palestine? Mm-hmm. I never wore makeup before when I was like growing up. We we're not even allowed to get our eyebrows done.
0: Really? So, but yeah. you
1: were like, you know, long pants, a shirt and things like that. And you'll always have something like on hand close to you. If like somebody knocked on the door or somebody came in. It'll be like a quick, like, okay, find your things. Uh, if you're the only one over there or like, you just expect that. It's just, yeah. it's, it's
0: normal it's, for you. You don't know differently.
1: Yeah, it's, it's like, it's like you're breathing.
0: Yeah. So you have um, a couple of older sisters, I think. Is that correct?
1: I have a lot of older sisters. I was number 16 in the family. Oh my God. I have, <laughs> I have eight sisters and four brothers back home. We used to be 16, but four of them died when they were like toddlers and young age. Uh, but if they were still alive, they would be still older than me.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So the sisters obviously older, you were 16 at the time. So they would have, many of them would have been married.
1: Yeah. Like, uh, let's just say, for example, my old, my oldest brother, his son, same age as me is only 10 days different between oh, us. Okay. Yeah. And the rest of them are not very far, like apart from one another. Cause imagine 16 kids. So there was like one after the other, there was not much gap between yeah, one and not another. much gap at all. Your poor mom. <laughs> <laughs> I remember my sister pretty much raised me in a way where like, when he came to start at school, you know, she would dress me up, she would get me ready for breakfast and yeah. help me with my homework and my mom had like next to now involvement in my life, like I don't really have any good memories with my mom.
0: I'm sorry to hear that. I know that that, that happens in larger families, it's like it's mm-hmm. left to the older ones to start to raise the younger ones and yeah, pretty natural to have to do that. Oh. So your sisters um, were older, they were married, and nobody shared the story with you that this is what's going to happen in your life. Nobody gave you a heads up, let's say. About you, like my marriage? About that you could get married, you're going to get married, and your husband's going to tell you what to do. And like, did you suspect it? Or did you think, oh, I could, maybe I can fall in love with somebody? Maybe I'll be allowed to do that? Like, what, were, what did you think?
1: Well, the dream versus the
0: reality, let's say. You're still very young so to think about it but
1: I don't think we were allowed to really have so much kind of love for a guy that you're not married to like let's just say you came across or you see someone and you're just like oh that guy looks really cute or whatever if you have feelings you just got to keep that to yourself your family better not kind of catch on to that uh for me to kind of be prepared and learn about like marriage I witnessed my sisters you know Out of nine sisters, only one of my sister, her husband, came out a nice, nice person. The rest of them are absolutely, I would not count them as men. I would probably consider them more of monsters, and they really should not stay with them, but... It's nothing that they can do over there. I -hmm. witnessed the neighbors, you know, they get abused by their husband. So I kind of, when I was in middle school and I saw a situation happen across the street with the lady and her husband and first thing came to my mind, like, I wonder if that's going to happen to me one day. And it was not very long before my marriage got arranged after that. It was just like within a few years, which is not really a long time. No, no. So did any of your siblings ever get um,
0: educated in the
1: West? I know one of my brothers, he did study a dentist in Germany. And uh, I guess he did have a little kind of connection with a female over there. But when he came back home, I guess everything ended. But that's pretty much like the only person that I would think he was going kind of out of the country and maybe learned a little bit. But he came back and it really didn't really change, change him, him to be more of a modern uh let's just say a gentleman
0: yeah none of
1: yes. my brothers are
0: <laughs> well, i'm so sorry to hear that Mia. okay um so basically when when your husband what was his name you don't want to say his name. it doesn't matter Bayad. 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 <laughs> when when he brought you to um america or to america you went to um arizona in mm-hmm. the beginning right mm-hmm. and you were virtually trapped because you had no language you could not communicate with anybody you didn't know english You didn't know anything. So, how can you even call out for help? Because you you, can't. can't. Yeah. You're trapped. Really, the
1: only person you can reach out to to talk to is him, and you're terrified of him. You have that gut feeling inside you. It's like you just cannot go far enough to be away from that man. So, really, technically, it was terrifying in so many ways. Different culture, different language. Anywhere you go around the house, you can't really do nothing around the house because you don't understand. Then there is him a whole complete strange person that absolutely you're not even having that good feeling to even say well okay I can at least try to that person so it was he's not really
0: bad he was just disgusting to be near
1: I don't know if I can explain how awful on like bathe? uh like it's such a blessing to have a shower it's such a good feeling but he used to go for like over a week
0: isn't that like not really religion? having to
1: get cleaned up. I'm sorry. Isn't that against his religion even to be so, to be like that? I mean, you got to be always physically clean. I grew up in a family where my family were like, overall, they're really kind of clean. But to him, I don't think he would, he was really more of like a religious person at all. I think he just used it to give himself power. Any guy over there that would use certain ways how to treat a woman, I don't call that religion. No. Like they did not pick that from anywhere, like religious or for like say God said, oh, you gotta yeah. to do it that way. I think that's just really to help them to be in more in control. Absolutely. And that is either people in control too. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just another way to
0: control people. Oh yeah. The masses. The So, okay. So this man, do you think he consciously believe that he would never get caught you know that that he had impunity wherever he went to treat you like like property i know he he said to you know don't even have a thought you're not allowed to have a thought you're like furniture yeah don't have a thought you know if you had a thought let's slap that thought out of you because that's not not allowed you don't
1: count your opinion your thought your whatever that comes into your mind it does not count don't even bother to bring it up because he is going to look at you and not even acknowledge you I remember one time I stated my opinion about a furniture when we first came to Michigan, and he told me, e- "Whatever you say is not gonna count. If you have something to say and you want something in particular, go ask your father for it, not me." So your opinion, whatever you think. But you're you said not- your father
0: was a kind man. Yes, your I father was a father. kind man, but he 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 couldn't intervene. He wouldn't intervene.
1: He's like that kind of person with a really, really big heart. But I feel like his personality was a little more on the weak side, where it's like, I'm just trying to survive life kind of, but he did take good care of his company in every way, like in all the other ways, except my mom was constantly like she was the dominant in the situation. It's like, it's her final say, whatever it is, big or small, it goes back. Lucky her that she got that. She got to be like that. How did you know? Like how did that happen? I don't know. Me and my sister, like, how did she pull that off? None of us like her. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, I mean, I'm okay with being equal. Like if you get along with your husband, you don't want to overpower him and vice versa. Work together side by side and have the same kind of respect for each other. I I believe that would be good thing. Yeah, absolutely beautiful thing yeah. not in her case <laughs>
0: no i mean but she, at least she like she wasn't getting beaten yeah right? she wasn't getting he
1: was such a nice person i absolutely love my father me and my sisters we were so close to him like i have more of memory with my father and i don't have anything with my mom not even on the simple where i to my age i still sometimes sit and think i never i can't come up with the one time where she said i love you wow mm-hmm. I'm none which yeah, is it's, it's sad but i mean i'll get over it it's life
0: right Her yeah life, anyway you're like um so he brought you to america you didn't speak the language you were like 16 years old you're looking at this stuff you go i don't even know how this stuff works it's a fridge it's a stove like we don't have anything like this back home like <laughs> how do you cook can i boil water you know like tea or whatever i can just imagine like you're looking around going oh uh, i don't get it you know and you, it and- is really
1: terrifying i got yeah. like internally as a female like really sick because it's the sex being forced on me it's the culture you know being different and can't communicate with nobody for over a year the only person that I would talk to if I want to it's him and it's it's like bare minimum next you want to be noticed right yeah yeah so he left you alone
0: quite a bit that first year did he what, what did he do for work like it seemed like he was gone quite a bit
1: he was an engineer. Uh, mm-hmm. At first, when we got married, I don't know exactly what kind of work he did because I didn't really understand like what they do, mm-hmm. but he used to leave and come back, which is I always hoped he would not come back, but he always did. Did the plane go down or something? Yeah, yeah something. And um, when we went back overseas for like a short, not short time, really just a few years and he worked for like uh, Qatar Petroleum. Yeah. And then when we came back uh, to Arizona and he applied for work and he was a computer engineer uh, for Ford Motor Company. Okay. I'm surprised
0: that even like his hygiene working for a company like that, they wouldn't make him do something.
1: It is hilarious. When we first got married and he used to dress up those really hideous outfits. And then when I went for after one year of being married, went to visit my family and I said, I got to do something. I can't keep looking at that. Then I got him a couple outfits, and then when he first wore it, and went to work, and they told him, "Oh, you look in a way like you look decent and normal. What changed?" They told him I got married. <laughs> <laughs> That's like, it
0: still didn't work much, but it's something. it's something. And so how soon did you have your first child?
1: I got married 1993, and I got pregnant with my first baby, and I lost the baby at like four months so it's like April 1994 and then I got pregnant again shortly after that and I had my first my oldest son right now yeah and and so how many years are between your children not much so let's just say I started my first baby 1996 the one that's my oldest right now and with my husband that one 2002 that's when I had my youngest son with him so okay. that's five kids from 1996 to 2000. Wow. And so he had no involvement with the children. He care. never changed the diaper. He never woke up at nighttime to.
0: Did he engage at all? Like, oh, you know, I love my son
1: or nothing. No, none of his kids remember that he ever showed an infection. It Actually, as a matter of fact, when we were overseas, his oldest son, he told me, mom, how, which is a young kid. I mean, like they got so much questions why does it feel so cold to be around him, but it feels so warm to be around you, which is it warmed up my heart.
0: Yeah.
1: And uh, it's kind of sad that you have to try to explain. But then again, I'm like, I was confused at the same time. It's like, how could you be so cruel and cold to your own children? Your, your son was like seven years old, and he can pick up on how to be around you, which is disappointing in every way. But yeah, he had no involvement in his So when
0: you went back home, you went back to Palestine for a little bit, you stayed for a little bit. How um, how many kids did you have then? Like how many of them were there?
1: Well, when we went, uh, when he found that, the other job when we went to Qatar, the Gulf area in 1996, I had five kids. Oh, you had all five back? Yeah, back. from 1996 till 2002, I had five kids with him when we were over there. Because when I left in 1996, I was pregnant with my oldest son.
0: Okay. So they got a hit. They got a, a taste of the culture, let's say.
1: Yeah. I mean, they didn't really go out much. We were not really allowed to go anywhere. Uh, school, grocery store, uh, I could remember probably all those years we had only maybe about three or four times that like a family came to visit and after that they kind of backed out a little bit, but he would not allow us to visit and I was not allowed to drive over there, but when the kids started going to school and he didn't want to go and pick them up and drop them off and go get grocery and all that kind of stuff he told me now I can let you drive here but it's not because I love you you need yeah. to do the things that I want you to do because I don't want to do it He was straightforward he told me many times that I didn't marry you to love you I don't love you he was straightforward he didn't even blink saying it he says I needed someone to take care of his needs whatever it is as a man and cook and clean And give me kids, which is, I'm not sure why he wanted kids. He had absolutely zero involvement with them because when he left after the divorce, he never looked back ever. Did he pay child support? For like a year or so. And then when he left the country, obviously between different laws, he, they can't really go do, but he's, he's back home. He's married and he have a son. Really? Yeah. Wow. Poor woman. I know. Right. (laughs) It's
0: insane. So you're here in, in, let's start. We're still in Arizona. Um, it took you how long to learn any
1: English, let's say. Uh, first year that was completely gone. And I think watch television a little bit, you picked up, start to pick up. A little I bit. mean, I opened the TV, but I can see the pictures and things moving, nothing at all. And then maybe after a year and a half, he wanted to enroll me in high school. And, uh, It was really difficult for me. I was feeling like out of place and the way I was dressed and I can't talk. It's just everything was completely like night and day different. So I was really struggling. And uh, picked up a few words here and there. Didn't really help me much. But then I started watching more TV to learn slowly. I started kind of getting baby books because I said, I got to join everybody. I have to learn something. And uh, slowly with cartoon, a lot of cartoons all day long and baby books and the dictionary. And I picked up a little bit. And every once in a while, when I know I'm comfortable with that level, then I kind of bring it up a little bit. Harder for me to kind mm-hmm. of learn different words.
0: And so, when your kids started school, that must have helped tremendously.
1: Yeah, when the kids started, we were back in Qatar and they were going to British schools. So we were to like, learn. I was learning at the same time as they were learning, except they learned more because they were more involved in it. Sure. Yeah. You know, and the brains day. are
0: more facile.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: they were immersed in it. So mm-hmm. by the time you came back to Arizona, you could speak again.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was definitely more comfortable.
0: Yeah. And then when you, um, he moved to Michigan. He moved the family yes. to Michigan. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of where everything fell apart or got better, even however you want to put it.
1: It's like it went really down and then it just kind of slowly started coming up, but it went to a different, really kind of stress level of, you know, my experience after the divorce. So to, we came to Michigan in 2005. And I left the house in 2006, in January. I mean, like, it was really bad. Back home, the abuse was physically, mentally, verbally, emotionally. You're lucky to be alive, really. Yeah, and his kids kids were also being abused. I tried to commit a suicide back overseas as much as I tried to reach out for my family. But your family
0: wouldn't help you. They go, that's life, say, love you.
1: Yep. If my mom says no, you are not getting out of a situation. That's it. And my brothers were her, like, it's her and my brothers. Yeah. And um, did he pay your just, family money or anything? Was that why they wanted him so bad? Um, I don't think so. Because my family was, you know, we're fine. My, were off. my father had his own business properties. And why did apartments. they care how badly you were like, why would they care then? because to get a divorce is kind of more of a shameful kind of thing it's like well why did you get a divorce they never look at it as probably the man is really bad which is they they knew i told them how yeah. he behaves and they said that's okay as long as you're eating you're drinking you got a place of your own what more do you want and how about love respect i want someone yeah. to look how forward about being to that don't Great. matter yeah yeah so how 2005 we came and the physical abuse stopped But the sexual, verbal, mental, no. He used to corner me, tower over me. I'm like 5'3". So he's like a really big guy compared to me. And uh, the kids started reaching out to the neighbors. Cops start showing up and they can hear me screaming and crying. And uh, he got arrested in the Camp Police Department. And from there, I left, went to the shelter. I also never heard of a shelter before. Because back Mm -hmm. home, Negro Divorce. If you're lucky to get a divorce, you go back to your family until someone else wants to marry you, which is, it seems like if you got a divorce, it's like you have a black mark on your record. It's just like, okay, like you're damaged in a way, which is, it's so unfair. Yeah. And, uh, so nobody in your
0: family has been divorced. None of your sisters.
1: I had a sister that she was, she got divorced because her in-laws thought she can't have kids, which is, it turned out to be their son can't have kids. And when she went back home, my mom would not even allow her to see the street until she got married again. Oh, my gosh. It was really rough on her. So when I left the house, the police helped me kind of learn about the safe house before I left. He was trying to scare me. He told me, well, if you leave the house, you know, over here in this country, they'll take your kids. They'll give them up. They'll make money off of them. You'll never see them again. You never worked. You don't know how to support them here. You can't pull it off without me. So obviously I opened up to the police officer, not knowing is that really true or not. And he told me that is absolutely not true. In here, you have a right. I mean, you take good care of your kids. Nobody can take them away from you. There's a, they can help you find a job, get your own place, take care of your kids and they teach you how to get on your feet. And Mm -hmm. it was true. It became like a really long, rough journey, because if you think about it, I started from like below zero. I have, I was only a housewife and a mom. I was not allowed to go anywhere without his permission. I have to tell him what time I'm leaving what time I'm coming back and what roads I took if I did. And if I'm late, I have to give him a really good explanation why I was late. What so, a way just, to
0: live. I mean, I, I, mean I can't even imagine living like that. And I just feel so much for you and so much compassion. And I remember reading when you were at the back at the other house, I think, and he was gone for like five months. And and you, you somehow managed to squirrel away money. And, and keep it away from him. And, you know, you, you and the kids ate pizza, you did, you know, fun stuff. Um, stuff you'd never have been able to do if he was home.
1: It was a good time. It when was we like, were in
0: Arizona. Yeah. Like a resort.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. We had so much pizza. They probably were really happy. There was no bedtime, time, like much, obviously to a certain point because, you know, they have schools and stuff like that. But I mean, I made sure that everybody was really taken care of, but watch whatever you want, sit and eat pizza. It, it was like a vacation. I mean, like we were in Arizona and he was in Michigan. And for you're
0: really season, close in but... age to your children. So I mean, it's like you're partying with your kids, really, right? Yeah,
1: my my oldest son is 26, and I'm 45. Yeah, so, that yeah, so it was a good a time. Yeah. We all enjoyed it.
0: <laughs> and and they they they're they're Americans. I mean, they're not. They don't consider themselves Palestinian, do they?
1: No, that's all they know since they came yeah. here. Like my oldest son was like eight years old. That's all he known, and they never they never went back home, and they are not wanting to go back home. I wouldn't even call it home. <laughs> no, it is not home, actually. You're right. I mean, to, even to me, I am so grateful to be here because if I did not come back here, yeah. I would still be with him, but not because I want to. Because yeah. if you leave over there, where are you going to go? Yeah. If you didn't have a chance to work, they're going to bring you back to him and it's going to be even a lot worse. So when when you left and you went to the shelter,
0: um, a police officer helped you, I think, right? And and how long did you stay at the shelter with the kids? Three months. And your husband, he still thought I can beat her. She's my
1: wife. She's just property. And they're like, uh, no, you can't. Actually, You're not in this country. Uh, this, the safe house did a good job. They did not even know where I was. They were filing for helping me file for divorce paper. Uh, obviously, keeping sure. my address. Uh, you know a secret, yeah, stuff like yeah. that. but it got to a point, you know. After three months, you have to learn to fly on your own, which is always was really scary for me. I never had my own place, yeah. You have to work, I didn't know, I'd never seen a job application before, so I had all the odds in life against me. I have to learn all that, still strengthen up my English and how to really be outside the house, and on top of that. Be there for my family in every way, which yes. is the amount of depression and worry and fear and anxiety that I had to face. I'm surprised that I'm still walking.
0: <laughs> but you guys are close. Your children, I'm sure, really give you a lot of comfort.
1: Oh, yeah. We support. are very close since since the beginning and we still are. We're,
0: they they really are a lot. bright light.
1: Oh, yeah. They are my motivation. Everything that I did in life before and I still do tilted it a day I die. Everything that I do, yes. they are in the front of my mind. And what I do is for them.
0: They don't want to see their father probably ever.
1: Oh, no, he, they better not. Know. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> what often
0: happens with women, and I, I'm, a, I'm a coach and I wrote a book about, about you know, people in relationships and, and how you go down the same kind of relationship rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. You met a man And you had that kind of same sign over your head for a little while because you can't change overnight. And he thought I can take advantage of her too. Oh yeah. She's very naive. You know, Mm -hmm. I am going to take something from her. Like, like it was his job. He could do this.
1: Naive, vulnerable, hurt. I never heard the word. I love you before. Never had a compliment before. And when I heard him like, wow, did your father say I love you? My father? yeah we had a really good relationship with him we always had you know make our own kind of board games and have coffee and have tea we talk we laugh we joke I remember I always when my mom sends him makes him look like oh you're just be angry and yell at the girls and stuff like that so I kind of stand there and I put my arm like around his shoulder I'm like oh come on you know you're not mad come on let's just sit and have coffee or tea but yeah and then when my mom walks in everybody scatters or my brother's And It's
0: interesting that your brothers didn't nobody took after your dad like nobody wanted to be the same, you know, kind of like
1: my brothers are really I don't really look at them as humans my oldest brother threatened to bury me alive if I ever go back home, because me leaving and breaking everything that they set up for me they say you brought the shame to the family everybody was talking you stayed over there different culture different religion you did completely everything that would destroy our reputation over here if you ever come back home I will bury you alive and I promise you that did any of your sisters ever reach out and go can you help I want out too they can't
0: they can't
1: they are in a situations where they're not fortunate like me where they can really do something about it like I said the only one out of my sister her husband was amazing and I'm so proud of him to grow up over there and be in that culture and still treat his lady like the way he did he passed away about two years and a half ago at age 52 wow And she cries so often as much as she missed him. She said, I will never be able to find anybody like him. And I can't wait until I am with him, which is I'm proud of him. She won't come here. She won't come. I tried to bring her over here, but between like papers where you have to go do your papers in Israel and here, nothing is lining up. Uh, Every Mm -hmm. time her uh, meeting kind of gets close, they push it like. way months like Mm. all the way till next year so I've been trying with her for like a little over a year nothing is working so far yeah Yeah. maybe one day yeah
0: fingers crossed
1: um
0: so tell us about the man that you met and how did you meet him the second man
1: I went to one time take after my first job and I had saving and stuff like that. In my in, in our religion, we have like a divorce, which is so simple. I got absolutely nothing out of it. It was on the phone, done with witnesses, and I was divorced. In the here, like your divorce is a lot longer. You don't have money. Your lawyers are not really. Yeah. So I after I got divorced and everything, I came across him. I went to go feed the kids, McDonald's, and we all shared a couple sandwiches. And then he started playing with the kids and he started asking questions to me. I didn't really think too much about it. Where are you from? What are you doing here? And what's your situation? So I was asking, well, what does your husband do? How much are you getting out of him when you get a divorce? And does he have a house? All those kind of questions. It didn't really kind of click with me because I didn't know none of that. So I was just out of a good heart answering. Yeah. And not long after that, he asked me to marry him. So we went to like the mosque. And no, oh, he was, kid. he was,
0: I thought, I thought that he was not of your religion.
1: He was, he, he wasn't, was. I'm sorry. He was not, he was from here. He was American. Yeah. That's what I thought. But I told him it's the only way that I can mm-hmm. do that. At that time, I, I was still kind of thinking differently. right now. It does not really matter to yeah. me. I would just do it the way he Yeah. Here. yeah. And we did get married and we had our baby girl and uh, he took the settlement. He set up a business. I told him as long as I can make sure that my kids are taking care of with whatever comes every month, because technically that money is for them.
0: But he was he actually defrauded you with his mother. didn't
1: he? His family did not like me because I was not from here. They were really kind of not nice to me not very polite you can tell the way they talk to me and kind of give me the and yet you still control. wanted to you still wanted to marry him you know what I never heard of like being racist before oh, okay. like I had so much to learn and yeah. it was overwhelming yeah. like I never really knew like you could not like one person just because
0: they're from they're somewhere different.
1: else yeah. yeah. I mean, I, at least I don't look at it that way.
0: No, no not a lot of people. Well, I guess I can't say not a lot of people do because they do, but yeah. So, I mean, I didn't
1: know, did yeah. let's just say I was oblivious when it comes to so many things and he sure. picked up on that. So when we set up the business, he told me, you cannot really put it in your name because you're still not like a completely citizen. I had my visa, which is, it was like a 10 year. And I said, okay, you know what, it is your husband, you know, people are supposed to work together, everything is coming to the same, you know, purpose. And when he got the license for the business, he just took everything and left and filed for divorce.
0: Jeez, he must have been just like slammed. Like, Yeah,
1: he after he took after everything. This? Yeah, he came one time, I tell him, I really need gas money, I need to go buy things for the kids. He told me, yeah, sure, here's $60, but you have to sign paper that I gave you $60. It was like it, it boggles your mind. It's like after you took thousands—I think it was over fifty thousand dollars—you want to have me to sign a paper for sixty dollars? No. Did you I go after him? Paper. Did you go after him, like try to sue? They said because you guys were married, you'll okay, get so it you okay. So then he have
0: to pay support to you and the
1: family. To pay support just for his daughter, the one that's the youngest one. Uh, he still does why the only reason he does it because uh, he, th- it comes out of his disability. He fell off the ladder during the job. And the only reason he get he pays is because. Was it, that after it, you got married that he fell? Um During the divorce, the divorce was lengthy. When he okay. got the business and filed for divorce and he, him and his family had their way, they brought the business down to the ground. And then he came back crying. Can you do something about Karma's it? Karma's a bitch. I know, right? <laughs> I like that one. I think about that often. And um, I said, okay, my, my plan was I'm going to get it back and I'm going to leave him this time. And, but he brought it down to the point where financially I didn't have enough to really cover the damage he did. So I left and I filed for divorce. And it takes a while because when you don't have enough money for the lawyers, it take, it's a lengthy process. Sure. 2010, end of 2010, where I was living, the guy says, look, I cannot really let you stay here. I know you have kids. Here's Christmas. Be here after Christmas. You know, when the New Year show up, you have to leave. I'm sorry. I don't want to do that to you. But Christmas just because for the sake of the kids, which is I appreciate it. So we went to a motel after that. There was six of us in one room, six kids and me. I was taking classes. I was working majority of the time and I had to drop off my kids, different ages, different times in school. So I would get only like three, four hours of sleep every night, what 2011. Were you, what
0: were you still doing your high school or what were you studying at this time? Criminal point? justice. Criminal justice. Yeah. yeah I was doing really college, good, stupid. I got 4.0.
1: Good <laughs> <laughs> for you, <real>. yay. <laughs> 2011 we were in the motel for like almost a year it's really hard to really do all that it was cheap enough I couldn't afford anything else so between me and the kids we cooperate we work together and but it was really hard for them to be cooped up in one room for sure so 2011 about five days before Christmas he came and he told me his daughter was almost four he told me look I know you work a lot let me get her off your hand and I'll bring her back when you come home from work, which is like evening because working in a restaurant, you need to work a lot to make a little bit of money. She never came back. So he took her. He changed his address and he changed his phone and nobody would. Actually, at first he told me where he's staying. I went to see her and when his mom and his girlfriend opened the door, just a tiny little crack from the door where I can't see her, but I can hear my daughter. And she tells me, "Don't come back here. You're not allowed here. You're not allowed to see her." So I called the police, and they said, "Well, you really can't do much about it because technically, you guys are still in the process of the divorce. So he have a right to see her as much as you do." I don't, but she's been gone for a long time. I can't even talk to her. Nobody did anything, and all the I can't way believe until that next. They didn't night, do anything. Nope. You're still in the divorce. He had the right, which is it's so unfair. No. So he moved to a different area because I went a few days later and there was stuff outside knocking on the door. The neighbors came on. They said they moved. Why would the girlfriend even her. want your daughter? Hmm? Why would she want to raise your child? This other I don't think she wanted to because she's him and his girlfriend. They were tortured and they were putting black pepper in her mouth and oh, holding her on. mouth shut so she don't oh. cry. I don't think people like that. Do it oh just God, to going to yeah. do something nice. My daughter had nightmares, had separation. She had the, the dreams that she had after I got her were oh, insane was... for her age. So How I would they do that. To her? So all the way until the following year of May and I had I was driving down the road and I had to see a police car that was unmarked. I was homeless, tired, hungry, exhausted, stressed out. All I could think of is my daughter is probably waiting for me somewhere thinking mom is going to show up and mom doesn't show up. And if she doesn't, that means she doesn't love me. What if she's hurt somewhere? What if she's halfway dead up somewhere? You as a mom, all you could think of is the negative because you haven't Absolutely. seen your daughter and she's waiting for you probably. So I talked to that police car and he was not like an officer, like on the road. He told me he was just, you know, work for a court. I don't even remember how he looks like. I said, you know what? You're going to think I'm crazy. But whatever you want to think, that's okay with me. I'm going to tell you what's going on. And if you can't help me, show me where I can go to get my daughter back. So he was working, you know, on the side, trying undercover. to figure out. He says, look, I'm going to help you as much as I can. But after that, forget everything. So one day after way months, he, between asking questions, about his family, which is I didn't know much about them. He called me one day in the morning. He says, do you have your car seat? I told him, no, but I can go get one. And I went and I drove and he was standing there and her dad was standing there and he was holding her toward the right side and she was crying. So I approached her and she she was so confused. So Did she guy, remember you?
0: No. no.
1: She didn't remember much. So... He took her and he handed me to her and he says, here's your daughter. Happy Mother's Day. Now take her and go home. And she was completely different. She forgot some of her siblings. She had problems at night sleeping, anxiety, nightmares. She told me one time a dream where she said, mom, I had a dream where after I got her that I found you finally And I was running toward you, and you were running toward me. And between us, the bridge turned to blood, and I lost you again. Oh, my God. And I never found you. So for a girl that's less than five to have dreams like that, it's really hard. And it's all because of abusive people that just don't care how they treat others. Their intention is evil. So it took her a long time between therapy and reassure her and bring her back to speed and so after my divorces and all that kind of stuff life was really difficult and stressful in so many different ways all the odds in life were against me as a mom and to have six kids all of them looking up to you for survival
0: single mother you have to learn you have to survive you don't have nothing more resilient than a single mother i know that we're the best (laughs) (laughs)
1: So, I mean, I never got a break in life, but it just don't give up. I mean, every single day that I woke up depressed, tired, exhausted, don't know where to go, you don't even want to move. You just got to get up and keep trying. Because if you stop, it's just life is going to swallow you. (laughs) And I still go by that. If you cannot be successful on what you're trying to achieve today, Okay, take, give
0: yourself. So tell us a where day. you are. To, okay, so who helped you? Who helped you after that? There was a, a good Samaritan. There was somebody who helped you. After um, that. I had churches helped me. I have the school system helped me. How did you get out of the motel? What was the first step to getting out of the motel?
1: I saved up money from my taxes here and there, and I had a guy that he says, "Look, I got EMS." And if you move in here until you find a place, and then after that, you can save up money and you can get your own place. So I got my taxes. I had a lady, she was Middle Eastern. She helped me with a thousand dollars for deposit. And I was working a lot. Like I remember my kids all the time. They said, mom, you're just always working and we don't get to see you. I told them, well, one of the other, whether I stay and we live in the car or I work and we have next to nothing, but listed least something.
0: Yeah.
1: And we did. And I had churches help me. I had, uh, obviously the state helped me with bridge card and, and insurance. And um, my kids never missed like their shots or anything. And I'm really grateful for everything they've done. I'm grateful for being in this country. I absolutely will never take that for granted. I am where I want to be in life and I'm in the best place.
0: So you graduated from, from your course in social I'm almost there. Course. I have a few there. more
1: classes, mm-hmm. but it was really hard to kind of pick up a lot because I have to balance between working and taking care of my kids. I am on the Dean's list with Schoolcraft College. Congratulations! Thank you. That. That's yeah.
0: Really, really, you know, that's really something.
1: What are you doing for work? I am actually, I came across a guy. After working in a restaurant, I have my own little saving. I wanted to open up my own business, be like my father. And I told him about my story. He's a businessman and he told me, I don't really know much about like your idea, but I am looking for someone to help me in my businesses. He's trying to kind of, you know, slow down or retire and run his family kind of operation. And he have like a fund. Now I got in charge of that, where we do donations for shelter, domestic abuse kind of programs in the police stations, in the camp police, and like give some churches, you know, around holidays and like first steps, Samaritas, all those have like you know shelters to help out women and their kids and stuff like nice. that. And also now I am a VP for commercial operation in his uh, commercial real estate. And we're opening a restaurant, and I'm working on wanting to get, be a partner, a tiny little one. Yeah. But my goal is to take over the whole thing once yeah. it's all later awesome. down the road. It's a good dream. Thank you. See, don't dream. give up. Don't, don't give up. Yeah, just keep going. Enough. It's hard, it's exhausting, it's discouraging sometimes, but that's what life does to you, and that's what evil people do. They discourage yeah. you, but it is your it is you, you just say, no, that's not going to work with me. And you keep fighting.
0: Yeah. It's keep not easy. It's not fun. Yeah. You got to just keep holding on. And, and it's, it's, you know, oftentimes when people are just almost right there, that's yeah. when they give up. Right. they just give up right at the very like one more step and you would have made it but then they give
1: up yeah. for some unknown reason but, but because again. i never give up i got now my own home i never thought i would own a home i signed last year which actually this december will be one year brand new home i got my dream car what are you driving i have two cars i got a chevy equinox and i got a, a black and blue Camaro convertible 2022 it is gorgeous I named her blueberry (laughs) I I don't know why but just did I love it I have six kids my oldest son is an Oakland County Sheriff I have two Marines a social worker and one of my daughters the other one she's taking classes in schoolcraft and my youngest one is 15 She's on the honor list too. And the other one, social worker, she got a little bit more to go. She's working on finishing up internship and the rest of her classes and she'll graduate. She's also an honor student. And uh, my youngest daughter, she wants to be a paramedic. So she's taking kind of medical terminology. She's doing really good. And my goals is I want to be my own boss. Yeah in charge of my own self and just look out after my kids uh, spend more time with them and I'll never give up oh every time I get to where I want I want more and I want to learn more and I approach people I'm not shy and if they want to think I'm a knucklehead or crazy that's okay but I want to learn teach me you know
0: what it, that's like the best approach to have your children absolutely learn how to be resilient, how to be resourceful, how to, you know, just be determined and and get what you want to get and do it really well. And there's nothing like a role model for that. And you certainly showed them that man, under the worst situations, you still, you know, not just survived, you thrived, you really did. And, And I mean, that's so commendable. And if anybody is listening to this story and going, Oh my God, you know, poor me no sorry I'm it can be that. done it can it's, be done
1: it's it not easy but life is not easy yeah. when we were overseas and one time he was beating me up and then his son the oldest one got involved because he always thought he can you know help me out and then he was also struggling with the math problem his father went around and he beat him up he cornered him and beat him up at age I think it was like first or second grade and he told him you're an idiot you're never gonna be anything in life." And my son, we never spoke like a lot after that. All those years went by. And 2017, when he graduated the academy, the police academy, dressed in a uniform, white gloves and everything. And I'm so proud of him and emotional. He came and he put his arm around me and he said, Mom, tell me what he says. You see, I am not an idiot and I am something. But you see... All that, it just sits in the kid's mind.
0: Absolutely.
1: And I completely thought he forgot about it. But on a day like that for him,
0: yeah.
1: and he just comes to me and he remembers it. It shocked my mind. That's it's where funny. it comes
0: from, that determination. He's not going to, you know, he saw this man, how despicable he was. And he's like, no, sorry.
1: Yeah. And when my boys graduated from me. the Marine, you know, they would go through the crucible. So I know their last three days being tested so I know they're up and hungry and I'm up here hungry with them and I'm praying for them because I know what they're going through and when they graduate I get that phone call and they don't see mom I told you I'll make you proud
0: yeah
1: I'm proud of them as the person the human they are alone on that part so it's like
0: all of them want to help people yeah isn't that something?
1: I am so proud of them. And yeah. they're just, they just got such big heart and something that you can never really take for granted. Yeah. i not, I don't have any regret. I can't ask God for a better family and I'm grateful for everybody that stepped in the way and been there for me. I really appreciate them a lot.
0: I'm glad that you stayed open. Your heart's still open and, and I mean, it could have been. You could have been bitter, but you're not. You know. Everyone. I got asked that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's an outlook. You know, you have it or you don't. I think, and it's a choice to make.
1: Yeah, you, to, you choose, choose honestly. Yourself, yeah. Right.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um, thank you for sharing your story. I think you're going to help a gazillion I people. So. There's, you know. Yeah, I really else. hope
1: so. I mean. To, to read the book, you know, I got asked, why did you write the book? Because in my own experience, sometimes when you see someone that's going through something and they talk to you about it, or even if it's online and they open up and you, it motivates you, it gives you a little bit of hope you know, yeah. from inside, like, okay, I, I I can, there is a chance for me. So for you, look at me, I started from nothing, like yeah. everything was against me. And you just got to keep chipping away on every day. And- I think
0: women are afraid, you know, they, especially smart women, they're always afraid to share, yeah. you know, that they've been somebody beat them, or that, you know, they were involved with a man that beat yeah. them. And, you know, it happened to me in two, two of them. And, it was like, you know what? You don't want to talk about it. You don't like to share those things. Uh, they're negative. And, and, but the reality is that it, it does happen to a lot, a lot of women. It's everywhere. It's Wherever everywhere. We yeah. Like, and yeah. you know what? It doesn't mean that you were stupid. It doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. It just means that, you know, somebody, somebody fooled you
1: yeah you just have a good heart and you thought maybe with time you could just open up that Jesus. person's eyes and make them more of a decent person more than a, exactly. a monster and then it gets to a point where you they break you down and you just it's hard to take the first step to move away trust yeah. me I know that yeah. it is really difficult and it's scary but it'll be more scary probably if you stay because you don't know what Jesus, that guy is gonna stay. do
0: to you you can't stay yeah, don't stay nothing better than don't. <laughs> get out find a shelter do something but don't stay yeah Mia, thank you I'm going to say goodbye to Facebook we're going to stop the streaming and I'm just going to stop the uh, recording